Welcome. Let's stand and worship together. You are good, you are good when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love on display for all to see. You are light, you are light when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace when my fear is crippling. You are true, you are true. Even in my wandering, you are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, in you death has lost its sting. Clothed in majesty, and all the earth. 
rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, in darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. And edge to which He stands. In time we see in his hands Beginning and the end Beginning and the end The Godhead three in one Father, Spirit, Son The Lion and the Lamb The Lion and the
And a good morning from Kids Street. Any other kids in the congregation want to meet us down on the steps for the kids' message? It's been nice to get back to Kids Street, right? We've missed each other. Now we get to come at 9.30 and do our games and our songs and our crafts and our snacks together again. It's been really good. You know what I carry in this big bag of mine, don't you? During our lesson downstairs, we talked about it. What's in here? Worries. My worries, right? Does it do me any good to carry around my worries like that? Is it heavy? Would it be hard work carrying around that bag all day? Yeah, going to recess, playing with your friends, with that big bag of worries on there, right? You know, Irma Bombach, she's an author, and she said it like this. Worrying is like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but you don't go anywhere. Am I moving around anywhere? Nope, I'm staying right here. I'm a worrying away. I'm carrying my big bag, right? But I'm not getting anywhere just by worrying, am I? So we learned this morning that Jesus says, don't worry, right? Don't worry about your life. If I take care of the birds and give them food, if I take care of the flowers and give them sunshine and water, then you know what? I love you more than those things. Don't you think I'm going to take care of you too? Yeah. We just sang, how great is our God. You think our God's greater than our worries? Yeah. Do you think he's bigger than our nervousness? You think he's stronger than our scared? Yeah. He says, give your worries to me. Right? And he'll carry our worries for us. So I've got another backpack here that you guys can take. Do you think that's going to be a little lighter than my big backpack? Yeah. He says, take my yoke. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Okay? So remember, to pray, to give your worries to God, and to trust that he can take care of them. Right? So why don't you bow with me? Listen to Pastor Kevin's sermon and see how he talks about worries today, okay? Dear Lord, we thank you for your strength, your greatness, your power. Help us trust that you can take our worries, we can give them to you, and we can be free from their weight on our lives. Help us share that good news with those around us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to sit, stand and worship together. We're going to sing a few from your red hymnal. First is number 280, if you'd like to read from your hymnal. Let's please stand. Oh, 
Father, we thank you for this fine day. 
we thank you for the many things that we just take for granted all the time our good health and and father we thank you for being with us in the hard times and the good times we ask now that you take these tithes and offerings and use them in the way that you see fit in your son jesus name amen Thank you, Brian and Nate and Chris. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, in your New Testament to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians, chapter 4. As Dave said earlier, we're going to continue in our series, Overcoming Your Enemies. And one enemy that we all face is the enemy of worry. A new term for it is anxiety. It's a little bit of the same thing. It's hard to differentiate between the two. So worry and anxiety we're going to talk about together today. When I say it's an enemy, it means it comes from the outside due to circumstances and sometimes hormones and all those other kinds of things. A lot of things affect this issue. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in that loop of worry. And if you're like me, you worry a little bit and it gets worse, doesn't it? I've never had a situation improve because I was worried about it. I have to do something to get it better. But if I just sit and stew, the stew kind of spoils, doesn't it? So we're going to talk about how all that works today. Philippians 4, and we'll look at verses 4 through 9 in just a moment. We have a special guest with us. Actually, we have two special survivors here. Mike, it's good to have you here. Mike had an on-site 
accident at work, and he's been home for several weeks. I know he's glad to get out of the house, and uh, Rose probably had to carry him here because he's having trouble walking because of his injuries. And, of course, um, Nick is here and still recovering from his gunshots, and we're just glad that God is working and helping you guys get back on your feet. And God continually works. Sometimes we don't even realize that there are people amongst us that have really been through it. And God works and restores them not with a lot of fanfare. They just walk in the door and return to life. And so we're thankful for God's influence there. Why don't you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence, for proof that you work in people's lives, just the two that we've recognized. We know that there are others here who have felt your healing touch. Sometimes it's physical healing. At other times, it's an emotional or a mental healing. Thank you, Father. You are indeed the great physician. You heal us. You are the doctor who cares, the one who has the perfect bedside manner, who hears all we have to say and is with us. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for this life that we have. We are wealthy. We eat and sleep in comfort. We live in the greatest place on the planet. We are free. Thank you, Father. Above all else, we thank you for this life that we have in Jesus. Forgiveness of sin. The indwelling your spirit. The hope that in this life and in the life to come, we can overcome those things that would confront us and destroy us and have hope and life forever after. Thank you, Father. And we thank you for all good things. Your word teaches us that every good thing is a gift. Thank you. Lord, even as we say thank you, we confess our sin. We are very aware of your graciousness towards us, and yet still we rebel. Forgive us, Father, for our rebellion, our sin, for our apathy and sloth. We ask, Father, that you might cleanse us and make us whole once again. We pray for others. Many struggle. For those that are sick and ailing and dealing with difficult diagnoses, give them health and wholeness. Help them to sense your presence. Father, we pray for those who struggle in this time of pandemic and financial loss. Give them courage and hope. Help them to overcome that tendency to worry and get great anxiety and worry about the future. Give them a calm spirit, Father. Help them to trust you. Lord, as always, we pray for our soldiers and first responders, for their families, for those who have made great sacrifices for the common good. We thank you for their presence and efforts. And Father, we pray for them. Protect them. Use them. Give them hope and take them home safely. We pray for those who have power over us. Our elected leaders, those appointed officials, give them a sense of justice and truth and guidance. Help them, Father, to see beyond the propaganda that seems to be everywhere. The half-truths, the rumors, those things that would destroy us. 
Help us all to see through those things, Father. We know that your truth and that all truth sets us free from the bondage to ignorance and prejudice and sin. Father, help us now as we study your word, open up our hearts to the way your spirit can teach us and guide us. Again, we thank you, Father, for giving us a word that can continually teach and challenge us and guide us in the narrow path. Thank you, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Just because I continue to greet the parents and kids at child care, I get a lot of insight into the human condition. In snippets of time, I get 15 or 20 seconds a day with most of these people. If things are going well, sometimes it's less. But amazingly enough, things happen. There's a daycare mama. She's been coming for the last couple of months. Walks very slowly. It is obvious she is in deep pain. She struggles with the steps. I hear her tell her child, who wants to be carried, I can't carry you. Twice she said, without ever talking to me, Pastor, pray for me. So the other day I had more than five or six seconds. There were people that were there, but they were on their way. And so I had a few seconds, not even a minute. And I said, ma'am, you've asked me to pray for you twice. Why don't you explain to me your situation? And she did. And in just a few seconds, she was told me that she'd been in a car accident two years previous. She'd been homebound for the last year and a half in severe pain. And she had tried to go back to work, and she had to quit. She just couldn't handle the pain anymore. And then she wandered off for a moment. I said, ma'am? And by wandered off, I mean she stopped and, and went blank. I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. I was just worried about my life. Three kids at home, just trying to make it. And in the middle of a conversation, wandered off because of her worry and fears and anxieties. She didn't have to explain she got in her car and drove off. I, I said a simple prayer for healing, of course, and then for calm. You never know what people are going through, do you? You never know. Some of you are struggling with great things today, and no one here knows it. Others of you have made it public of what, what's going on, and we pray for you. But I've learned the hard way, in my own life and in others, that People carry burdens within them that you never know about, and, and they worry. Interestingly enough, this is old news, isn't it? Every one of us goes through that. We go through life many times without a care in the world, and things are good. And then things happen, an event, an illness, a diagnosis, a word, and we don't know what to do, and we stew don't we? And my dad used to say, don't stew on your problems. And you know what I mean by that, don't you? You go home and you just sit. You sit in front of a TV and your wife will go, what's watching? I don't know. I'm not really paying attention. We say those things because we're lost in thought and we're sometimes we're just worried. If we're not careful, the worry turns into worse and it's anxiety and we can't sleep and we can't eat or we wake up and try to eat because we didn't eat during the day and we eat pie in the middle of the night at 3 in the morning. Probably not a good idea, but it seems to help at the moment. Sugar high and all that. 
But we all deal with this stuff. So today we're going to talk about worries and anxieties from a biblical perspective. Interestingly enough, like I said, this is old news. People have worried like this and wandered around and gotten lost in conversations as long as we've been on the planet. Follow along with me, if you would, in Philippians chapter 4, where Paul teaches the early church how to deal with some of these issues. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul writing to a church 2,000 years ago in a wealthy, peaceful culture, as peaceful as it could be with a constant Roman centurion presence, heavy taxation, not much in the way of health care, hard physical labor for almost everyone that wasn't wealthy. And they were worried you know that Paul wrote most of his letters, they were epistles, that's what that word means, letters, and he wrote to the churches in response to what he was hearing. So the way it works is the pastor would talk about issues with his people, and then somehow they would get in touch with Paul or become known, and Paul would address the situation. So when he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, evidently there was a concern with worry because he addressed it. A long section in his letter said, there is a Christian response to worry. Now, a disclaimer here. What I'm going to talk about today are practical and very spiritual approaches towards anxiety and depression and worry and those kinds of things. I am not going to say you should never go to a therapist or get medication. That's not what we're talking about here today. And I'm going to make this clear. Sometimes things trouble you to the point that you cannot function and it goes on for weeks and months. If that's the situation, then you are beyond a very simple approach that we're going to talk about that usually works for most people. If you are in the grips of deep discouragement and worry and anxiety and it's really getting you down, it's gone on for weeks and months, then it's time to go to the next step. But what we're talking about today is what most people can do to deal with the issues in this life myself included. I wish I could say that preachers and religious types aren't subject to the emotional ups and downs of life, but we're just normal. Like I said so many times, I went to school with 600 preachers, found not, not only that many were normal, many were less than normal in so many ways. And so I want you to understand that preachers struggle just like everybody else. So on the screen here, we can see this first idea God wants us to help keep our worries from getting out of control. So one of the significant messages is Christians worry. Christians gain anxiety from issues. We ruminate, we stew, 
We think about things. We get concerned. We have concerns. We're normal. The fact that you go to church doesn't mean nothing's going to bother you. And it surely doesn't mean that your life is going to be protected from all concerns. So one of the subtle messages here is that Christians will worry. Now, some of us here don't worry too much. You know, I'm, I tend to be positive and optimistic in all situations. I don't worry a lot. When I do, it's because something particular is pressing, but it happens. There are other people here today that are worriers, and you know who you are. And I don't mean to be critical. I have a daughter who is a worrier. There are worriers in my family, and we know that, and they tend to take things more to heart, and, and they stew more than other people, and those kinds of things, and we love them, and they just have a particular ideology or something within them just leads them to spend more time stewing about things, sometimes things that are close, sometimes by, about things that are far, but all worry to some degree, but some have more trouble with it with, uh, than others. One of the things that Paul wants us to gather here from this first section is that Christians have a particular spiritual approach that they can use to deal with worry. So before we get in a lot of self-help things that are very Christian, Paul talks about, we're going to talk about the idea that God wants us to approach the concerns of this life from a spiritual perspective. So if you would, look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. This is not put on a fake smile and fake it till you make it. That is not what we're talking about. You know, sometimes you get the idea that if you just fake it and you act happy, then you will be happy. In fact, a lot of the self-help books will tell you that. You become how you act. If you act happy, you will be happy. If you act as if you have no concerns, you won't have any concerns. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is not what Paul is talking about. Rejoice in the Lord always means, no matter what, take time to be thankful. Let me ask you this, and we'll do a little exercise here. And I want you to show your hands. How many of you can think of a time when you really believe God acted on your behalf in your life? Okay. How many of you, looking at your life, can see and name at least one blessing from God? I could go on and on, couldn't I? Children. Health, food, freedom, salvation. Nothing you will experience takes those blessings from the past away. If something is a blessing right now, it will always be a blessing. People may pass, but you have those memories and those years of experience that are blessings. And even though it might not be present right now, you have those memories. And memories are powerful. God has given within us the ability to hang on to memories for life. And they can sustain us through difficult circumstances. You are blessed of God. So Paul says to these people in the early church, I know you're concerned. He's not diminishing their hurt or pain or anything like that. But whatever you do, practice thankfulness. When you pray, continue to pray by the way. When you pray, be thankful. I've tried to make this a practice in my own prayer life. You may not have noticed when I pray in public, but, but I tend to spend more time on 
thanking God than, or I intend to anyway, than I do asking for things. And I've got to be careful because sometimes it may seem insensitive to the situation, but I'm trying to be biblical here because if I remind myself that God is active, that God has worked, that we are privileged and blessed in this life, then everything else is put in perspective. We are not alone. When we are thankful, we are acknowledging God's presence. We are acknowledging God's work and care. So even though things might not be good right now, you can remember a time when they were. And even though a particular situation right now was sucking the life right out of you, there are still good things going on. Have you ever noticed that we tend to focus on that which consumes us and ignore all the good things around us? We can be miserable in the middle of a family gathering of people who love us and we love them with a plate full of food. And we can allow ourselves to be consumed by that one area of life. And if we're not careful, if we don't manage our concerns in a biblical fashion, we miss out on what God wants to do. God has a way of working within us when we pray. When we practice thankfulness, God works in that because you are acknowledging him. You are acknowledging his influence and guidance and blessing and care. And that can only be a good thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is why I said in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Practice thanksgiving. I said earlier that I'm not really a warrior. That's only partly true. When I wake up in the middle of the night, which is almost every night, unfortunately, I've reached that wonderful place in life where my body no longer sleeps. So when I wake up at 2.30 in the morning, and I always wake up at 2.30 in the morning, I'm sorry, I just do, I am, for some reason, discouraged about stuff. And I feel worries and concerns and anxiety that I never feel the rest of the day. And I don't know if it's a hormonal thing or fatigue or what. And I have learned that the only way for me to get through that without really going down in the dumps is to start being thankful. And my list is long. That old song, Count Your Many Blessings, really is true, folks. Count your blessings. Be thankful. Rejoice in the Lord always. One thing, start with prayer, recognizing God. Another thing, become known by your reasonable tolerance of the issues of this life. Look at verse 5. Let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. I didn't know it until just this week, even though I should have known this, but this term forbearing spirit is one of the more difficult terms to translate into English. There's no clear word that translates what Paul was trying to say. It's a combination of patience and tolerance and redeeming the time and being strong and being subservient to God's will. And it has a combination of meanings. And what he's trying to say here is, Allow your faith to lead you to be resilient, and that's kind of a buzzword in our culture, but be resilient because you know God is with you. Did you see that phrase, the Lord is near? If you have this overbearing spirit, that means you've learned the hard way that God is with you in good times and bad. When times are good, you can be thankful that God is with you and times are good. When times aren't so good, you can be thankful and practice this prayerful thanksgiving 
and you allow God to teach you, and that will enable you to be strong. And did you see that? Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. People need to see Christians being strong. That doesn't mean it's, we, don't want, we want to hide our real feelings, but over a period of years, decades even, people need to see Christians being strong in their faith and surviving. I need to see that, and so do you. One of the values of church and staying in a church fellowship for decades, perhaps, is you get to see people go through it. Well, I remember when she lost. I remember when they went through. I saw her do this. And they made it. And they survived and they thrived afterwards. And that is an encouragement to me and an encouragement to you. And if you are of a forbearing spirit, you go through it and you remain faithful. And you are able somewhere along the way to say, I just thank God that I got through it. People will hear that. They may not want to hear you brag about your grandbabies. But they do want to hear about how God got you through a hard time. Because they know hard times come to everybody. One other thing. Verse 6. Prayer in all situations. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Just pray. Make it a practice. Some say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what kind of language to use. It doesn't have to be anything fancy or special. You don't have to use the king's English. You don't have to worry about offending God. He's heard it all, believe me. You're not going to scare him. You're not going to hurt his feelings, etc. Just talk to God. Talk it out. If you are feeling a certain way, if you're feeling alone, or you're feeling abandoned, or you feel like God has failed you, tell him that. He knows already anyway by you know, he reads your mind, okay? But you can tell him that. And, and for some reason, when you speak to God in prayer like that, it loses its power over you. And God begins to work. So pray about all things. Whether you want to or not really isn't the issue. Paul is saying, listen, you're going to have concerns in life. That's normal. Here's something you can do. Make it a spiritual exercise. Sometimes we don't feel like we're very spiritual. You know, I just go through life. I don't feel like I'm very spiritual at all. If you face life from a perspective of prayer, that is a profoundly spiritual approach. I have a good friend, and she's really into Christian mysticism now. And she craves out-of-body experiences. And she reads the works of the mystics, and she wants a special experience and she wants a special feeling. And I understand what she's talking about. But she can't be satisfied with just God working in her life. It's not good enough. She wants something special. She wants to be spiritual. She is not a fool. You can be truly spiritual. Profoundly spiritual. By going to God in prayer. That's what God wants us to do. This is what God wants us to practice to be people of prayer nothing wrong with being a mystic or those special experiences i'm not even denying them but for most of us we're just normal folk we may not have a special experience that's going to make a headlines we're just going to be normal and if we are faithful to god we experience his work in a pretty tremendous way 
again look at verse 5. Let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Some say this is a reference to the return of Jesus coming imminently. The imminent return of Jesus, maybe. Or it could mean that Paul is simply saying God is with you right now. They're both biblical ideas. He kind of leaves it just that little phrase hanging, doesn't he? The Lord is near. Think about it. Maybe it is talking about the imminent return of Jesus. We live with that conviction, don't we? That Jesus is going to come back. He can come back at any time, by the way. Everything that's been prophesied has happened. He can do whatever he wants, by the way. He is God, after all. Or maybe Paul is just saying God is with you. No matter what. You are never far from Jesus. No matter what. There is hope. One other truth. God can teach us how to deal with our worries. I grew up thinking that the only way to deal with your problems was to pray. And God would tell you what to do or God would fix them. Therefore, a time, this is how I preached. And this is how the preachers that I listened to preached. If you had a problem, you went to God in prayer and he would fix it for you. And all you had to do was kind of hang out. And God would work things out. And it made for great sermons. I found out that not only does that not always work, it's not even biblical. The idea that all you have to do is sit back and watch God do stuff and take care of everything in your life. And all you have to do is sit and pray. It's just not the biblical message. Nothing wrong with prayer. God wants us to pray. All those things that I said earlier are true. But God created us with a mind. He created us with a will. He created within us the capacity to act in ways that can help ourselves. More than self-help. Instructions from Creator God as to how to keep this body running. I often think of our bodies as this wonderful machine and God is designer slash engineer. And he created design parameters. Design parameters is how you use a machine and keep it healthy and running correctly. So what we're going to talk about today are design parameters. Ways by which you, the human machine, the human body, the spirit, the soul, can face this life and be successful at it. Look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. So this is very much self-help-ish, isn't it? Nothing spiritual, nothing profoundly supernatural here. Instead, Paul is saying, think realistically. Simply put, Consider what you know to be true. Whatever is true. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have been caught up in the what ifs? Sure. We all know what I'm talking about, don't we? The what ifs. What if it doesn't work? What if the medicine doesn't work? What if the doctor's right? What if these are my last days? Etc. Etc. What if he wins? What if she wins? What if we lose? And on and on it goes. That's dealing in the untruth. 
Whatever is true means deal with the facts of a situation. So in your situation, consider what are the facts. Like me, sometimes I worry about the what ifs and the facts of the situation don't bear it out. And sometimes I just worry about the situation as I see it. And I haven't bothered to get my facts. Or maybe I'm just worrying about what might be, the what ifs. What you have to learn to do before you let yourself stew... Get your facts straight. Make sure someone said what you think they said. Make sure that you understand the situation as it really is. Make sure that this situation that's concerning you is what you really think is going on. Sometimes we just don't get the facts right. Sometimes we get the facts right, but our perspective is wrong. If there's something troubling you, and you get the facts right, and you still don't know what to do, and it still concerns you, it's acceptable to find someone who in your life is wise, a friend, a pastor, a teacher, whatever, a spouse maybe, and say, you know, this is, and this is how the situation, the conversation can go. This is what I think is going on, and, and explain it as much as you can. And go through that conversation, and this is what I think is going on, and, and I, she said this, and this is what it means, and I know, because I can read her mind, you would never say that, but that's what goes on, isn't it? I can read her mind, therefore I know. You know, we do that, we never admit it though. And, you know, think clearly, and maybe your friend, in a flash of honesty, will say, well, that is what she said, but maybe that's not what she meant. Maybe she meant X or Y, or Z, and sometimes it's very helpful, and that can diffuse the situation, and before it goes any further, sometimes it eliminates the issue. Not always, but it can only help when you gain a different perspective. Whatever is true. Talk to someone who's had a long-term illness. They will say things like this, if I just knew what it was, I could handle it. If the doctor would just come up with a clear diagnosis, if I could just name it, I'd be okay. I could face it. Because the what ifs can get you. Jesus was right. The truth really does set us free from so many things. Another thing, you can see this on screen, dwell on the good. Again, look at that list in verse 8. Whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Instead of dwelling on the negative that is there, don't let your mind be consumed with it. This isn't a Pollyanna approach where you just ignore reality. Not what we're talking about. Do not let yourself be consumed with those concerns. Recognize that there are good things out there. In my second church, I about destroyed myself because I had never learned this. I... Like I said, I'm typically an optimist, but in that church I was not. And I saw and interpreted so many things. And looking back, I was accurate in some of those things that I was letting get me down. Some people did speak to hurt me, and some people did hurt me. And I was vulnerable, etc., etc. At the same time, I had this gorgeous wife and a beautiful little girl, food on my plate, a car that had air conditioning, which I'd never had before, and all those kinds of things, and a future in front of me, and all those kinds of things. And what I had allowed myself to do is focus on the little bit of misery that was true, and I lost, every, lost perspective of everything else. 
And somehow, I don't know what happened or what clicked. Maybe God just thumped me on the head. But I woke up and I realized, wow. And so I began to do what I do to this day. And I focus on whatever is good, whatever is lovely. And I don't let it consume me. Uh, there's always stuff to complain about. Have you ever noticed that? There is always a pain. Not pain, but pain. P-A-I-N. There is always a nuisance character. There's always someone that you don't like or they don't like you. Whatever. If you want to, you can choose to focus on that. And you can ruin your life. And you can ruin the lives of everybody around you. And people do that. You know it. So do I. Or you can choose to let God teach you. Look for the good that is in life and, and try to think about that. I used to think the people who had said, I don't want to talk about that right now. I thought they were trying to, trying to escape reality. Sometimes that is essential. Talk about the things that hurt you a little bit. Don't do it all the time. Just don't allow yourself to do it all the time. Dwell on the good. There are times when you can do these things and pray and your concerns and worries are not going away. It's okay to seek out medical help. A therapist can make a life-changing difference. Sometimes medications can make life-changing differences for even Christians. Prayer can change so many things. Doing good thinking like God teaches can help us deal with so many things. But just like even though you know God could heal a broken arm, you still go to a doctor... When you're dealing with worries and concerns that you can't shake, allow God to help you through modern medicine. I, I've marveled at the way things have changed. When I was in college, I had a degree in psychology, which doesn't mean anything really, but it meant I learned some things 30 or 40 years ago, a long time. But anyway, when I was in school, we were taught that a lot of the medications that help with anxiety and worry are, are good things, and after four or five or maybe six months of struggle, then you might try them. Well, you watch TV now, and, and I watched that. There was a commercial for an anxiety medication, and the commercial said, if you felt these things for more than two or three days, seek out a doctor's advice. And I think we've probably gone too far in that direction. God has, can help us deal with certain issues. Don't get in a hurry. Allow God to do his work. There's still value there. Even if ultimately you need to go to a doc, that's all right. God can still teach you and calm you. There's still things to be learned through this struggle. And if you ultimately need to go to the doc, there's no shame there. Nothing against the faith by trusting modern medicine sometimes. I see it all as gift of God myself. There will always be concerns and issues in life. Trust God. Read this last passage with me. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. God absolutely loves you. There's nothing you can do to change that. God will always love you as much as he has ever loved you. You can't do anything to reduce his love for you. And you cannot do anything to make him love you more. His love for you is absolute and enduring. And because of that, you can trust Him. Allow the Holy Spirit to work, follow biblical teaching, and avail yourself of God's ways of helping us. What's troubling you now does not have to get you down. There is hope beyond this struggle.
Let me encourage you to pray and ask Jesus not only to save you, to be with you, and encourage you in this life. Nate's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn of invitation. As he makes his way down, why don't you stand with me and make those decisions that will allow God to work. Mike's going to come and lead us in a closing prayer. In case any of you are wondering, our youth and Russ are upstairs. They're doing Sunday school and worship now for a time. And uh, so pray for them. They're still here. And they're going to, I think, join us in worship one Sunday a month for communion. So we'll be able to see them then. So be in prayer for our youth as Russ does a new thing. And pray that God can work and that God can work through Dave's ministry with children. And God can work here to help us rebuild after the pandemic because it's over, we hope. Mike, come and lead us in prayer, please. Dear Father, be with us now as we go. Keep and protect us from harm. And Father, help us this week to do a good deed for someone else. Help us to do it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen.